0: All right. If you've got a Bible, I, gra- I invite you to grab your Bible and turn over to Luke chapter nine. It's the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter, third book of the old of the New Testament. And if you're using one of our pew Bibles, which should be underneath the seat, or what you can grab from the seat in front of you, which should be on page 878. But I, I want to start out this morning by applauding you. You know the the vast majority of you are here for an applaudable reason. Some of you are here because your spouse or your parent or somebody dragged you here, right? You just They just still got that guilt kind of stuff and they can make you come. I, I understand there. I was there at one point in my journey, you know. Some of you were there. Others of you were here this morning for, and I don't want to characterize this as being awful, but you're, you're here for a self-help reason. You feel like you're kind of like at the end of your rope and you just, you just need a word somehow to grab onto, something that's going to give you a strength to get through this next week and that kind of thing. And, and um, you know, one of my kids when you know, both of my kids played a lot of baseball. And there, at one point in time, there was a guy, a parent of, of another player on the team, he used to constantly ask me. He says, "Man, I need a word today. You got, you got a word for me, you know?" He's, and what he was basically saying is that, you know, I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I'm disillusioned. I don't know what to do or whatever. And, 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 and he was constantly asking me, as the, the preacher, you know, for this word kind of idea. And some of you were here for that, and that's not an awful reason. But the vast majority of you were here this morning because you know that. In some way, shape, or form, what we do this morning has a role in you staying close to God. And so you're here this morning because you want to be close to God. And that's an applaudable thing, right? And it is something that we should be encouraged by. And, but, you know, we have this sense, if you will, that we know that this is the best way to live. Some of you, as you created New Year's resolutions... One of the things you put on your list was, I want to I stay closer to God. I want it to be a little bit more of a spiritual year than it has been in the past. But, you know, in, in many ways, when you really stop and think about it it, 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 you know, it, it really shouldn't be necessary for us to kind of need to try, to try to stay close to God. I mean, right? I mean, when you really stop and think about it, I mean, God's everywhere, right? God is omni present. So why in the world do we have to work somehow at staying close to God if God is always there? But we do. I mean, we, we have this passage from Psalm 139, you know, where it says, where can I go to escape your spirit? You know, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. Duh, right? If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon, or settle at the western limits, in other words, the sunrise or the sunset, even there your hand finds me to guide me and will hold on to me. I mean, God is always there, right? So why, why should it take effort to stay close to God, right? I mean, we just came out of Christmas, right? And what, one of the names we celebrated about Jesus is God with us, you know, and the last promise that Jesus gave on the planet was, lo, I'm going to be with you always. With you always to the end of the age. Why then does it take effort for us to get close to God. And we read passages at, at funerals and other times. says, you know, is there anything that can separate us from God's love? And, and Paul ticks through all these different things, you know, from angels and principalities, this and that, circumstances. None of that stuff can separate us from God's love. God is always there, right? And with that, you, you really wouldn't think it'd be necessary for us to expend very much effort to get close to God. But... Experience tells us just the opposite, right? It takes a lot of effort to get close to God. You know, every once in a while you have a conversation that just, even though it, in some ways it wasn't really profound, it just sticks in your mind and you can't forget it. And I can remember a conversation I had when I was in my early 20s with somebody I knew well. And they were they were really trying to, to make faith work, and they were trying to be close to God. So they were going to church, and they were reading their Bible, and they were trying to do, you know, praying some, and trying to do that kind of stuff. And 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 somehow or another, in the midst of all of that, they said, it's just not working for me. You know, even though you've got this God who's always with us, there's no place where we can go from his presence, right? Here we are doing all this stuff that's supposed to lead somehow or another has to be able to stay closer to God, they're just not feeling it. Just not feeling it. And and their experience is probably pretty common among a lot of us, right? You know, even the Apostle Paul said, you know what, I'm I i I'm trying to do everything I can to give my heart and my mind and my soul and my body and my action to God completely, right? And, and And yet he says, you know what, even in the midst of that, there are those times when those things that I want to do, I don't do. And those things that I do want to do, I can't make myself do. I said, no matter how much I'm trying, how much I'm working, how much I'm getting there, right? Somehow or another, I just can't seem to get close and stay close to God. And I struggle with the stuff that's going on inside. And, and so the, the premise that I have for a series that I want to start today, entitled Breaking Spiritual Inhibitions, the premise that I have is that our struggle to stay close to God, when you think about that issue, the problem is on our end. It's not on God's end. All right? The problem is on our end. It's not on God's end. Now, I've got to put a couple caveats with that. You know, it, 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 the first is that, you know, clearly, God has invited us to stay close to him. You know, Matthew chapter 11 Verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will see, I will give you rest. Clearly, God has invited us to come close and stay close. And so, with that, if there's a struggle with that, the problem is on our end. We also know that sin separates us from God, right? We, we know that there is this barrier between God who is perfect, who is holy, who is righteous, and, and, and there's a barrier between Him and us who are imperfect, not holy, not righteous. Now notice, I, I didn't say that there weren't good people. You know, we, we, somehow or another we live in a culture now that wants to equate being good in the world's eyes with being righteous in God's eyes. Those two things are not the same. There there are really good people in the world who do not have faith in Christ. Who are not righteous in God's eyes. So I'm not saying when when we talk about somebody being unrighteous, I'm not saying that they are the re-embodiment of Attila the Hun. I'm not saying that. The scripture doesn't say that. It says that our righteousness, our goodness, When you compare it to God, it it, it looks like filthy rags compared to a brand new garment. And, And so there's this barrier because God is perfect, and we're not perfect. There's a barrier between us because if you take imperfect and you put it into the presence of perfect, then all of a sudden that's imperfect, right? And heaven, being with the Lord for eternity, is perfect. But... In the midst of that, God has provided the solution to that. For unto you today is born in the city of David a Savior. Does that sound familiar? We just read those verses in the last month, month and a half, right? Somewhere along in that journey. It's just the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. Today is born for you a Savior. God has provided us a Savior. Jesus stepped onto the planet in the person of Jesus Christ, born as an infant, but he came for one singular purpose, to give his life as a ransom for many. And the presence of the Savior in the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, this Savior, that whoever so believes in him should not perish. God has provided a solution for that barrier between us and God. So we know that not only has God specifically invited us to come to Him, so that we can stay close to Him, and with that have our burdens alleved, if you will. God has in the in the, is also made that one hundred percent possible because He's given us a Savior. Now, if you don't have faith in the Savior, being close to the Father is not possible. It's not. You know, you can, you can do all the good things you want to do in the world, and you can have a ton of people who will show up at your funeral and say, this is one of the best people I ever know in my entire life, and you're not going to be close to the Father without faith. You can't say it any more succinctly than the author of the book of Hebrews put it. it says, now without faith, it's impossible to please God. Period. For the one who draws near to him, that's what we're talking about, right? must believe That he exists and rewards those who seek him. If if you don't have faith in the Savior, you're not getting close to the Father. You're not getting close to God in any way, shape, or form. Because you can't overcome the barrier that is sin in our lives. But I want to turn that around to say that not only has God given us this invitation and he has provided us a Savior, he's done all of that so you and I can actually be close to God. To be close to him. So if there's a problem with you and I being close to God, the issue's on our end, right? It's not on God's end. So if you're not close to God, and this is a little frivolous way to put it, but if you're not close to God, there really isn't any debate about who moved, (laughs) right? There isn't any debate about who moved, right? It's it's, we've moved. I've moved. You've moved. We've moved. So I want to begin the journey of trying to figure out why in the world is it so hard for us to get close to God? And sometimes what we want to do is we just want to roll up our sleeves and put a lot of effort into it. I want to pray a ton, and I want to you know, do all these things. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read through the Bible twice this year. You know, we want to do all this kind of stuff, and somehow or another, we whiz through all these months. We're doing all this stuff, and we don't feel any closer to God than when we started. We may think we know a little bit more, but we don't feel any more connected to him. And, and, and that's because I think there are some things that serve as inhibitors in our lives that prevent us from getting closer to God. And in the midst of all of that effort, if we're not dealing with those inhibitions, <laughs> those things that inhibit us from getting closer to God, we're really not going to get there. So I think we need to deal with these things. So you're, you're thinking, all right, man, you know, he's 15 minutes into his sermon, and he's just starting to get to his point. You know, I'm sorry, all right? You've got to lay a foundation, okay? But we're going to move pretty quickly a- as we look at this. Over the next few weeks, I want to look at some of the things that, that, that are just core inhibitors that prevent us from getting close to God, and give us some, some simple thoughts about how to break down those spiritual inhibitors in our lives, so we can actually get closer to God. So that when we read the Word of God, that when we pray, when we serve, when we fellowship, you know, when we make all that stuff, it, we, we actually feel like we're drawn, we feel the presence of God, we walk in, and we have the if you will, the imprimatur of God in our lives, this impression that God is with us and for us and walking with us, and we feel like we're in his presence. And the very first of those, I want to deal with, with what is very much a very global spiritual inhibitor in our lives. And, and it's, it's simply the issue of self. It's simply the issue of self. And I've had you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Now, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 27. Some of you are going to instantly recognize this and say, Yeah, 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 I got that. Been there, done that. Whatever. So powerful. I, I want you to see a couple things, first of all. This is the gateway. This passage is a gateway to walking with God. Immediately before this passage of Scripture, Peter confesses Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We have Peter's confession. We finally have the breakthrough of faith in the world. And Jesus says, okay, now that you see, you you recognize who I am, and you have belief in that, and he's telling them about what he's going to do. He's going to go up to Jerusalem and offer himself out. He's going to be rejected and killed and rise on the third day. And and he talks about how this faith is going to be, how this faith in him who is going to be the solution to be able to in God's faith, He deals specifically with this issue of self. Because even in the midst of our faith, self is going to be a barrier to getting closer to God. It's going to be an inhibitor. And you'll notice by the time he gets to the end of the chapter, he has set his sights on Jerusalem and he's not going to turn back. In verse 51 of this chapter, he says, he's, he, he, he made up his mind, he's going to Jerusalem, it's time, this, this is the moment that God had put him here for, and he's headed in that direction, and off they go, and, and the disciples aren't necessarily in a stellar place, because when they go to get supplies for the trip, the Samaritan village, when they find out that they're, they're going to Jerusalem, say, we're not going to give you nothing. And the disciples, in all of their righteousness, say, hey, you want us to call down fire on these people? You know, so they've really been changed by their faith in Christ, right? And so we're still struggling with this issue of faith, uh, of self. Let me read these verses for you. Verses 23 through 27. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Anyone? Let me paraphrase. For whoever wants to preserve self is going to fail in the end. But whoever who sacrifices self loses his life because of me is going to save it. What is, the, what is it? What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world yet loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and that of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth, which you can count on this. There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So in this gateway teaching, in the moments after the breakthrough of faith, where Peter, for the very first time, the very first person on the planet to confess that Jesus is God's son sent to be the Savior, wait on the heels of that. Jesus teaches them about the need to deal with self. Now, I want to focus in on the beginning of Verse 24. We're, we're going to be in this passage and a few others over the next series of weeks. And that means some of you will net, won't come back during this series. And others of you will flock back. That's the way it goes. But, but whoever wants to save his life, what in the world is he talking about there? You know, and, and what he's really talking about is that there is something scripted into our human nature where we want to preserve and protect and defend self. There, there's just something scripted into who we are. The way that the default mode is in our lives, where we just want to look at everything from the perspective of "this is how it affects me," and if it doesn't, really, you know, they can, we see everything from a, from our perspective. From from we're, we're, we live in a self centric world, and and Jesus says, if you want to try to protect that, it's not going to work. You're, you're, you may, if you try to save that, in the end, you're going to lose your life. You're going to lose what it is that I have to give you. You're never going to grasp it. You're never going to have it. There, there's just something in us that wants to look after ourselves, take care of ourselves, protect ourselves, elevate ourselves, you know, reassure, there's all those kinds of stuff. And, and, and he says, you know what? If you don't have the intent to give up your life, to give up self in pursuit of me, you're not going to gain what I really have to offer you, closeness to God. And listen, I, I am not here to try to beat us all up about being selfish, self-centered people. I, I'm not trying to do that, you know? I mean, it's, it's not like I'm trying to take out the sledgehammer and just pound us all into submission because we're all such really evil people because we have a self. I, I, I don't, I don't, that's not what my objective is. You know, when my kids were little, you know, I that sometimes they'd you know, I had boys, right? They wanted to fight. You know, so they'd come up, you know, and, and I'd grab their forearms and I'd start making them hit themselves. <laughs> you know, why are you hitting yourself? Yeah. And, and you guys did that too, right? You know, there's just something in us that loves to torture our children. You know? <laughs> and then you pray that they have kids who will that they can torture, right? Because they deserve it, you know, to get back. So anyway. <laughs> I'm off track, right? There we go. <laughs> I, 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 I want to prompt you to beat yourself up a little bit this morning. I don't want to be the one who does it. I want to encourage you to just a little bit. And, and let me just throw out some words that we use a lot in our society. And as God's people, a lot of times we embrace all of these without being very discerning. And with that, we, we, we build this fence, this moat around self that we make it impregnable and God's spirit can't really get there. And then we put in all this effort to try to get closer to God who's always with us and we don't really get there because self is in the way. I mean, let me just use some, throw some terms around. We use words a lot in our society today that we embrace, things like self-image, self-respect, right? Self-esteem. We talk about self-realization and self-development and self-actualization and self-determination and all these kinds of things that just go on and on, right? And, and none of these things, if put in the right context, are awful. They're not bad. I mean, I believe we as God's people ought to have a really great self-image, not because somehow or another we've convinced ourselves that we are the center of the universe and I'm okay just the way I am, but because God loves you, he's died for you, and you are his child that he's lavishing his love on. But we, we take all of this stuff and we use it to build this moat around self. So when we think about self, you know, it's very easy for us to slip into a mode and say, well, what are my interests? What are my preferences? What makes me feel comfortable? What are my goals? What about my wants? What about my needs? And the list just kind of goes on and on, right? And Jesus says, you know what? If you don't take self and somehow or another lay it at the foot of the cross, you're not going to really be able to hold on to self because you're not going to get what I can really offer you in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. If you try to save self, you're going to lose it. And, and listen, we could go through many different places and see how self, self-interest, self-wisdom, self-determination, you know, those kinds of, self, all that kind of stuff led to tremendous disobedience to God. I mean, Adam and Eve were given everything by God Yet, yeah, but when it was pointed out that they were restricted in one area of what they could do, self, who, who, is, it, who, who, who is it right to tell me that I can't do anything? And his assertion of self. Jesus is going to die in the next few chapters in the book of Luke. It's because the, the leaders said, you know what, we, we have to do this to preserve ourselves. It's better that one dies, right, for the nation. Then for the whole nation, it's about self, and, and we build this moat around it, right? So what are you supposed to do about self? You know, if, if, if you and I somehow or another need to get self out of the way, we need to build the bridge over the moat and drain the pond. how do we begin to push to the side these issues of, you know, what makes me feel comfortable? You know, you know, I don't want to change in that way. Don't make me sad. Well, how do we get rid of that stuff? And and Jesus offers us a few things in here to look at, and and so I want to offer these to you today. As well, let me back up. Why is it? Why is this a problem? Why is it a problem if self is important to us? I mean, God made me. He loves me. I I I got value. I'm His precious child. So I, I matter. So, how is it that self can somehow be a competitor with embracing all that God offers us as a God who's always with us? You know, and let me give you a why statement. And this, let me use a really silly illustration that hopefully, you know, when you watch or read the story of Cinderella, it's not the pumpkin turning into a chariot that's really the point, is it? It's not the mice becoming Clydesdales who pull the chariot. That's the point, right? It's it's the fact that Cinderella is the star. When it comes to the story of our lives, God is the star. And we're just props in the midst of all of that. And when we elevate those up to have compete with the star, we, we lose the story. It's just not the same story anymore. The story is not about Cinderella anymore, it's about the pumpkin that became a chariot. And it's not the same story. And and the reason why self gets in the way of you and I being close to God is because this is our lives are God's story. It's not our story. And I know that sounds weird. But that's the truth. Your life, my life is designed to be a trophy to God's grace, so that's it's all about him. And self gets in the way of that. So what are we going to do to break down this spiritual inhibitor? And I got four minutes to solve the biggest problem in the entire world for us, right? But I can do it, because all thing, with God all things are possible. Let me, Because, you know, the point is, a lot of this isn't the techniques. It's just a, the very first thing in this is that you have to decide that you're going to deal with self. You know how Jesus starts, verse 3 says, if any man wants, and that's exactly where it starts. If any man wants to come after me, that's where it starts. Have we made a decision that that's what we really want in our lives is to come after Christ? Without that decision, the rest of it's kind of all meaningless. If we have not decided that going after Christ, coming after him, is the thing that we want, we're never going to deal with the issue of self. It's not. So we have to make that decision to do just that. That we have to, somewhere in the midst of it, say, what I really want is to lose my life so that I can save it. And commit ourselves to doing that. And this is where it's an action, not just an emotion. We're going to, somewhere in our journey, we're going to deal with some verses at the latter part of this chapter, where Jesus says to one, one guy, says, hey, come follow me. And he says, you know what, let me go home and say goodbye to everybody first, and then I'll come follow you. And Jesus says, uh-uh, uh-uh. You know, if, if, if you put your hand to the plow and you start looking back, he says, you know what, if you've, if you've emotionally responded to the call, but you don't take action on it, it doesn't work that way. It's not just an emotion. It's a choice that leads to real action. The second thing beyond decision is that you really have to disconnect from self. You have to really disconnect from self. I think this is why Jesus uses the imagery of the cross. You and I have to find a way to crucify self. We have to disconnect from self. And we glorified the cross today. I think rightly so on this side of the story. Wouldn't have meant that to these guys. You know, we've got gold chains with crosses on them. We've got great-looking stained wood on our walls. You can go into some church where they get gold crosses and all kinds of stuff. great stuff. And and Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross has glorified the cross like never. But to everybody else, the cross is the most incredible instrument of torture in the world. You know, right around the time of Christ, a little bit before, like you know, a couple decades before, one of, the, one of the villages in Nazareth was the center of a rebellion against the Romans. And, and the Roman soldiers came in and squished it. They tore the village down, completely destroyed it, was not there anymore. They took most of the, the kids and women off into servitude. And for as far as you could see the road leading into the village, they crucified men on each side of the road. Just cross after cross after cross after cross. Saying, don't do this again. Because this is what could happen to you. Because it was an incredible instrument of torture. Now Jesus doesn't... It's not that you and I have to punish ourselves. But he's saying that you, you and I need to find a way to disconnect. To die to self. So that real life can go inside. See, many of us... If we're really honest, the reason why we are trying to walk with God is because we want my life to be better. It's about self-help. It's about self-interest. It's about self-fulfillment. That's never going to work. Not going to work. It has to be about God making us holy, not about me feeling better about myself. It's about self-sacrifice so that we can who become who we are. So, you know, how do you do that? Well, he uses the word daily here. And, and you know, I, again, we don't have the time to go into all of this, but, but there's just aspects in which we need to say, God, today I need you to help me die to self. Now, this doesn't mean that you deny your, you know, this isn't like, you know, no fish on Fridays or what you give up for Lent, that kind of stuff. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is, is you say, God, help me die to self. And, and, and I believe the Spirit will say, you know what, today you need to think about the way that you use the finances that I've given you in this world. Or maybe the next day it's about you need to think about the way you, 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 you handle your physical body. Maybe the way you take care of it or the way you're using it sexually or anything in between. Maybe today it's the issue about commitment. You know, there's a lot of folks that just say, you know what, I, I don't want to feel like I have to be anywhere. So I don't want to commit to any ministry, service, or anything else. I, I, I'll go when I want to. I'll go when it feels right, but I don't really want to commit. Or maybe it's about emotions. God will, will say, you know, say, you know, today you need to die to, a, to certain emotions in your life. Maybe it's about forgiveness or faith, but God will answer those. But there's a sense in every single day we need to say, God, what part of myself is getting in the way of you being Lord? And we need to deal with we need to sacrifice that part rather than trying to somehow engage in this process of self-help. Just quick illustration. This is exactly what's required in order to have a great marriage. When 32 plus years ago, I said yes to Christina, the fundamental commitment that I made to her was that I will stop thinking about me and I will only think about us. When we say yes to Christ and we want to be close to God, we stop thinking about me and we think about us as a part of the body of Christ. And it's a fundamental change in our lives. It becomes an issue of how do I give myself anguish. I'm past my four minutes. One last thing. <laughs> it not only takes a decision, And it takes a commitment to disconnect from self. It also takes devotion. Jesus said, come, follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It takes devotion. It takes a passion. It takes an act of the heart. You know, God really is available to you and I to be close to. He really is available For you and I to be close to. Are we prepared? Are we committed? To losing our lives. So that Jesus can save them. Let's pray together for just a minute. Father there's absolutely no way. That you were done talking to us about this subject. So rather than offering a prayer that somehow tries to wrap it all up, God, I pray that you would just begin the dialogue for us. Engage us in a conversation to lead, that leads us to a resolute commitment to lose ourselves so that you might save us. And we're grateful We're amazed. We're overwhelmed. That's exactly what you want to do. We pray in the name of the one who is there as our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.